0: Welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, David off C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. We had a ton of baseball this week. Uh, let's see, what, what was that? Like 11 games in seven days or something <laughs> like that. Um, you know, two doubleheaders against the Cubs. Uh, and then this four-game set with the Reds where there were no doubleheaders, it seemed a little weird, didn't it?
1: It seemed one, like it took forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and two, like, uh, way more baseball than I really anticipated it being yeah it was it was definitely different it was I'm sure nice for the players to only have to worry about one one game in any given day and probably shortens their schedule significantly as well but it is funny and we talked a little bit about this last week but just that weird mental uh switch between two seven inning games versus one nine inning game and how much longer that feels even if it's Really not, but yeah, to have the Reds in town for four whole days <laughs> seemed like a lot.
0: <laughs> and we were fortunate to do that since the Reds lost some games early in the yeah. week uh, with COVID. But uh, seemingly they have gotten that under control. Uh, knock on all the kinds of wood. Um, and um, you're right; it did feel like a lot longer, except for what was that Saturday night's game? Yeah, uh, Kim versus Miley, which is it was like beautiful. Like. <laughs> two seconds per t- between pitches for each guy. And it was done a nine inning. That nine inning game was faster than some of the seven inning games. It
1: said. absolutely was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... That was, they should teach a masterclass in how to just catch the ball and throw it. <laughs> that's all. It also, it also helps
0: when <laughs> neither offense will do much. True. Um, we'll true. Factor that in with the pitching or factor that into struggling offenses. And maybe that's where we'll start. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, you know, you know, held their own this week and and given all that they've gone through and given that the fact that there were two double headers, probably, you know, playing around basically 500 is, is probably all that you should expect. But, you know, there are a number of games that they did lose this week that, you know, a hit or two extra would have probably made this a, a very successful week.
1: Yeah, and that's where there's two sides to the coin, right? Because there's the the side that says, oh, man, if they could come up with that one hit, they would just always one hit away. They just still don't have that knockout punch in their lineup. Then, you know, they would be in, right in line with a team like the Cubs or whatever. Um, the flip side of that, though, is that this team coming out of a completely never before done experiment as far as the layoff and dealing with uh, you know kind of rookies at every turn was always one hit away mm-hmm. um and that i'm not trying to disregard the fact that they missed opportunities But they had opportunities to win every one of those games. And I was thinking about it, even in those losses, whether it was the last game of the series with the White Sox last week or in any of the losses against the Cubs, it never felt like they were out of it. And it always felt like, man, if they had just come through in that one opportunity earlier in the game or whatever, whenever it was. So yes that's frustrating and yes that is something to to look at as far as okay they have to be able to make those adjustments and come up with that hit if they're going to be serious contenders not just in the division but in any sort of you know playoff run but the the flip side of that continues for me to be Man, I didn't even know if they were going to look like they belonged in this game coming off of that layoff. So to be in every single game and to kind of be at the mercy of a couple of bad pitching situations and then, you know, not necessarily always be able to come back. Um, but they stayed in every game. And and that to me is something, even if it's not everything it needs to be.
0: Yeah, they lost the game against the White Sox last Sunday by five, but that's... Well, that's the biggest gap that they had this whole week. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, you go back and, and look at whatever issues they may have offensively, but it, it feels like any of those offensive issues are not because of COVID-19 and not because of a two-week layoff, because they had some of those issues before the, the whole thing broke down, too. Cardinals have had four games this year, I believe, now that um, they have had no extra base hits. Um which is not usually a good way to, to go about it, especially when mm, yeah. those four games usually have like about three hits each, not like they hit 15 singles. Um, yeah. Again, I know we've got all these caveats and, and everything like that, but the offense wasn't hit as hard by, by COVID. They did lose. I didn't really know, they did not really did use Paul DeYoung, um, who are now back. At what point is there a point this year that we start thinking – You know, this looks a lot like last year, and where's the improvement coming from?
1: I mean, I think we thought that after the first week, before the shutdown even happened, that, oh, this looks a lot like last year. I think that there are situations like, for example, uh, the fact that Dylan Carlson is there and is going to be a, a presence in that lineup, he struggled. I mean, there's no other way to to look at what happened in the first week of the Dylan Carlson story. He struggled, and he sort of compounded those struggles by letting it get to him a little bit, I think. So to see him break out and finally get that home run in Sunday's game seemed like uh, maybe the start of progress there. But Harrison Bader has struggled just as much, if not more. And to see him hit home runs in back-to-back days is great, but... I I always feel like there needs to be a caveat to that because Harrison Bader doesn't need to be a home run hitter. That's not what his game that's not how he's going to succeed in this game. If he's going to be successful in this game, he needs to be able to to hit the ball around the field a little bit more and use his speed. That's where he's going to be the most successful because he's not going to hit home runs all the time. So if he starts depending on that as his only offensive production, then there are going to be more slumps where it looks like he doesn't know how to hit anymore. So to see him get not just the home runs, but a, a couple of other base hits in the process of the last couple of games, that's great. And and hopefully that's a sign of good uh, progress for him. But on the flip side of that, Tyler O'Neill had looked great and then he's struggled the last little stretch. So that's some of that is just baseball, but the reality is, and we talked about this all off season The idea that you're going to be better just by being better is (laughs) cool sounding and fine, but I don't know how realistic it is to assume that it's going to look that much different than it did last year. So. I think there are still positive signs. I think Paul Goldschmidt looks really good. I think Matt Carpenter looks better and better. And I think that Colton Wong looks better and better. I think getting contributions from uh, the Dylan Carlson's or the... Um, Harrison Bader's even, you know, Dexter Fowler has been relatively consistent as far as his contributions. Getting Yadier Molina back in some form. I mean, going four for five is, is a good way to announce your presence, I suppose, and driving in a few runs in the last couple of games. Paul DeYoung will be surely factor into that at some point but I I guess I'm I'm sort of rambling here the point is yeah it looks a lot like it did last year because it is a lot like it was last year so expect to expect it to look completely different probably isn't super realistic but the way that they sort of set up this season to be better requires them to even if it looks similar in sort of the form of how they score runs, it needs to be better and it needs to be more consistent and they can't miss so many opportunities with the bases loaded to not score.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just, you look at the list of, you know, and again, we know batting averages and everything, but when you look at the list of the players and you see one, two, three, four, well, three real, real contributors, um, and a fourth that has played some significant time with batting averages under 200, that's, that's a problem. I mean, it's, it, it, it makes for a lot of stop and starts. Um, yeah. and the, yeah. t- the, the game, they get it going. You know, we saw that uh, in Chicago. You know, Matt Carpenter hits that grand slam in the first inning, and they go and put up nine runs. Colton Wong scores four. Um, you know, when they can find it, it's, it's very good. But it's finding it that seems to be kind of an issue now. When you look at the when you look at the team leaders, you know I'm sorted. I've got this sorted by OPS. And I don't think any of us expected Brad Miller to be the person <laughs> that is at the top of this list. But you know, especially after you know, hurt in spring training, hurt in summer camp a little bit, it, it really kind of felt like Brad Miller might be one of those signings where you never really saw him get on the field. But now that he started playing, and now that he's playing you know, especially with the the COVID issue, got to place consistently, feels like it's gonna be a little hard to get him off the field.
1: Yeah, it's another situation where the fact that the DH exists for them this year might actually be very beneficial to making the most of the guys who are hitting well. The Brad Miller situation is fascinating to me because it's it's kind of like the ryan ludwick story or the jeremy Hazelbaker story or whatever there's that one guy that you're like huh okay that's fine i guess and then all of a sudden they become this <laughs> folk hero that changes the game entirely and they're instantly hated by every other team because they're like how are you the one <laughs> How is it you? <laughs> um, and I don't want to take away. Like we, we knew Brad Miller could hit. That wasn't a super surprise. But I think because, as you mentioned, we hadn't seen anything from him. It just kind of felt like, huh, I guess he's there. there. I, I s- s- vaguely remember that being a thing that happened. So to see him take the opportunities that he had and, and really, I I, I want to say, you know, take advantage of them as far as making his own presence known, yes, but in serious ways of contributing to some of the team's success as well. Now, you know, his sort of breakout performance didn't result in a win that day, but nonetheless, to see him contributing in that way, you're right. I think it's going to be hard to sit him down, but it's also going to be important to not wear him down by expecting him to carry the offense every single night.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's, I mean, once you get Paul DeYoung in there, you know, we saw that today, Paul DeYoung returns, Tommy Edmund got a a chance to sit, but you know, they're not likely to put Tommy Edmund on the bench on a regular basis either. So there is going to have to be some sort of rotation there. And and like you said, the DH gives them that, that opportunity. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have the guy come out of nowhere and, and hold this team because you do Mm -hmm. wonder a little bit where they, how they would have held their own. You're right that some of the games that he was big in, they didn't win, but occasionally he's really contributed. Um, and speaking of the games that they didn't win, though, I think that kind of leads us into um, some of the pitching decisions for this week. Um, you know, even going back to the White Sox, leaving role Ramirez in there, we talked about that last week. But we saw, um, you know, Tyler Webb come into a couple of games this week. Oh, and, hold on. Are you there? And lose I think the game. I lost I mean, you. that's all there is to it. Um, you know.
1: Yeah, I definitely can't hear you anymore. How
0: much criticism can you throw at Mike Schilt when he, this is the situation that he's got.
1: Um, you completely cut out for most of what you just said.
0: <laughs> is, yeah. I noticed you kind of, so, kind of missed it on me there, so I wasn't kind
1: of... sure if you were still talking, <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's okay. No, nobody was listening anyway. <laughs> um, let's, let, let's short. I this heard
1: so. Ro, Roel Ramirez and that's all I heard. <laughs>
0: so again, Roel Ramirez causing issues. Um, even here on the podcast. No, basically what it boiled down to is we saw, you know, saw a couple times where Tyler Webb came in and his situation did not go well. And so how much of a situ, how much blame, how much criticism, how much of that kind of stuff does Mike Shield come in for with it on his decision making, given the parameters of what, we're, what we've got in this season and the, the whole mess that it is?
1: Sure. I think the first time was kind of just like, that was annoying, but whatever. The second time, it was more like, but we've played this game. <laughs> we know how this works. Everyone saw it coming. It felt like for one of the first, I don't know, one of the first times, but one of the rare times since the Mike Matheny era where it was like, literally everyone else can see this. Why can't you? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else knows what's going to happen. And somehow you're okay with just letting it happen. So I think the first time with Tyler Webb was frustrating in the sense that it was obvious that he didn't have it. And right. you would like to think, oh, you see that your pitcher just doesn't have it, do something about it. But as we sort of talked last week, there were some strange anomalies to that situation, whether it's you know adapting to the three batter minimum rule or it's dealing with eight games in five days and mm-hmm. feeling like – even though it's painful you kind of have to stick to your plan at some point. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but I feel like that's what was happening in that instance where it was like, look, we we have to have a plan to get us through this 5-day stretch and if we veer too far from the plan, it's going to be a disaster for the next 3 days. So, in that instance, I was a little less perturbed by the decision even though it felt like He probably should have done something there. But the second time with Tyler Webb is when it felt like you had options. (laughs) You had other things you could have done, you chose to let that happen, and it went from a winnable game to an eventual loss, and that's where it looks really frustrating when you see the way some of these losses have happened, because every one of them were winnable games. And whether it was the Royal Ramirez disaster, or it was the Tyler Webb experiment, It just wasn't working and everyone could see that it wasn't working. And I understand that this is a weird season and you have to kind of think beyond the moment at times, but there's still not wiggle room for giving up winnable games. And if you have a chance to win that game, there has to be at some level, I would imagine. No one's paying me to manage a Major League Baseball team, but if they were, (laughs) there has to be some balance between and we've talked about this before but it feels even more significant in this season between managing for the moment and managing for tomorrow and I don't know what that is but I know it's not leaving Tyler Webb in to give up a grand slam it's not that
0: (laughs) yeah I mean granted my my issue with the with the Reds game was less about because you know Tyler Webb was that was his first batter but he should have known. Right, I mean, there was there was somebody that was not hitting well at all. I think it was I forgot the, who it was, but um, hitting like oh fifty off the season, and again batting averages and everything. But to allow to bring in a lefty, knowing or you know theory knowing that they're going to go pinch hit, you know, go a different route, perhaps. I, I don't know. Um, I know Tyler Webb has been effective for the Cardinals since they've gotten him. Um, for the most part, he's not necessarily the guy you want in the ninth inning or anything like that.
1: But when he's not, he fails spectacularly. <laughs>
0: this is part of the problem, too. And again, the game in Wrigley, uh, I, I still don't understand. After walking Jason Hayward, why you don't go to somebody else? Because mm-hmm. you're right, I mean, there has got. I feel like, and I saw heard somebody else say this, and it makes a lot of sense that they've got a plan that they've got. It's it's like those spring training games where it's like, okay. Um, This guy's going to go two innings, and this guy's going to go one, and this guy's going to go one, and and this is the way we're going to get through this game. And they're not, at least occasionally, it feels like they're not willing to deviate from that plan with the game, which is fine in spring training. But, you know, these games actually count a little bit, um, like more than normal. So. I don't know. I Two mean, times again, as much
1: to be yes, specific. Uh, pretty much.
0: So, you know, again, I, I get that it's this juggling act of, we've got to have, got to have arms and we've got another week plus till there's another off day. There's a double header in there. Um, you know, you kind of try to figure out how to balance all this. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to make the right decisions all the time, and that means we can poke at it when they don't make the right decisions. And according
1: probably. according to Alex Chrisafoli, since mm. these games are basically what is it like two point seven in in light of a hundred sixty two game season, that mm. our reactions should also be multiplied <laughs> by two point seven. So we should be two point seven times angrier about the Tyler Webb decision this year than we would have been last year. So do I, I with that like, what you will.
0: <laughs> I think I, I feel like maybe that we've come across a little 2.7 times harder tonight than we probably would have this time last year. I mean, last year we probably wouldn't have spoken about it. Right. So this is, this is definitely 2.7 times.
1: I mean, I I feel like we should also counter that (laughs) because it's me and I have to, uh, by being 2.7 times more thrilled with the Colton Wong walk off, (laughs) but I'm just saying,
0: I'm not <laughs> sure how it's possible to be 2.7 times more thrilled with the golden <laughs> walk off, or at least from your point of view. Um, that was a weird game, as well. But that, sure was. That's more of the Reds' issues than ours, and we'll let them have it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's um, it's been fun. I think it's it's been inter- it has been. I think for the most part, it has been a fun week. Um, yeah. You know, there's been there's been moments that hurt. Um, but like I said, they're they're pretty much in every game, uh, and for a team that's you know, I think it's fascinating, and I, I think Dan McLaughlin may have talked about this a theory on on this broadcast, and it's I don't know if it's true, but it's interesting when I think about it. and that the fact that the Cardinals are seeing a lot less fastballs than maybe other teams are, and the idea of being that. For two weeks, all they could do was hit off of like a tee or hit off of a pitching machine, which doesn't throw, mm, yeah, breaking pitches. And so teams are coming after them with stuff that they're not used to seeing, if you will. I don't know if that's true, I don't know if they've exploited something that Jeff Albert is teaching, which is a little bit more concerning if that's the case. Um, but it is just a little bit of an interesting wrinkle, especially when you, you know, you look at Dylan Carlson, who has seen. What is it like the fourth fewest fastballs in the (laughs) league? Um, And it's a rookie. I mean, that's, you know, traditionally rookies are seeing fastballs till they can hit them, and they already know he can hit them, so they're going to skip to that part.
1: Yeah, that's part of this this whole thing, and and part of just the amount of data that is available. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we saw it last year too, right? Every time it was a soft tossing lefty, you might as well just pencil a, a loss into the <laughs> into the books because like they're the not going to hit them, right? But <laughs> so there's there's been an issue with that sort of kind of junk pitch off-speed stuff anyway Mm -hmm. and there was some criticism last year about the Cardinals being a team that was hunting fastballs and that's fine until the team realizes it and decides to exploit that and then you look like you've never seen a breaking ball (laughs) in your life over and over and over again I'm looking at you Matt Carpenter (laughs) Uh, if you look any worse on a slider, I, I, you're, I don't know how you still... But anyway, so that's not necessarily a new problem, is my point. Um, in the sense that, that they have struggled with that before, so it's not entirely surprising that teams are aware of it now and, and would try to be exploiting that. The thing that's always the issue then is how are the Cardinals going to adjust? And we've seen some of those adjustments in the last couple of the days. Obviously, we talked about Harrison Bader. Dylan Carlson finally getting a pitch, he could not just uh, tip back to the pitcher. That's cool. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're seeing a little bit more of that. Again, I I think – and I don't know if maybe it's because I had sort of come to the conclusion that we weren't going to get baseball this year, and then we watched five games and we didn't get baseball again, (laughs) that I'm a little bit maybe more – I don't know, I, I'm I'm not as invested in <laughs> or as bothered, I guess, by those games where it's like, ooh, they were in it, they just didn't pull it off, mm-hmm. as I would be, maybe I'm not 2.7 times more upset about <laughs> it, <laughs> simply because I, I think I had kind of come to this conclusion that, well, it's just this year probably isn't going to, probably isn't going to offer a whole lot of enjoyment on the baseball front. So I've had a lot of fun watching them even stay in games and battle back at the end. And yes, the pitching decisions have been frustrating at times. And, and hopefully as the starters begin to go deeper into games again, and that sort of thing, there are fewer opportunities for that sort of decision to be made. And then, you know, the the managing for the moment becomes a little bit more realistic, but it, it is interesting and I know I kind of went off topic again, but it is interesting to see the way the teams are adjusting. It is interesting to see the way that the Cardinals will adjust back. But I think you mentioned that it has been a pretty fun week of baseball to watch. And I think that's the most significant takeaway for me is that this team is flawed and it still has problems and it still isn't, you know, the, the Padres, <laughs> <laughs> but they have a lot of there's still so much potential to what they're they're capable of, and they have made games entertaining. And yes, some of that is taking advantage of all the mistakes that the Reds made, but in the past they may not have taken advantage of those mistakes that the Reds made. So um, the, the part of me that is just... <laughs> just happy to be here <laughs> is uh is is very much okay with the fun baseball we've been able to watch even though when i stop and think about it yeah there's definitely still some flaws and there're definitely still s- some decisions being made that don't make a lot of sense and that are going to make the fun baseball season frustrating <laughs> if they're not careful and we'll get to that you know some some point in the, the near future as we're already halfway through the season.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think also it's a little bit hard for us. I mean, if the Cardinals lose a close game, the third week of April, I mean, we don't like it. And depending right. on Twitter, like it's a huge crashing uh-huh. thing. But for the most part, it's like, Oh, that was tough. Move on. You know, right. And I think somewhat that's where we're at. You know, we're just, we just, we are in the third week of April. Um, yeah. It's just the fact that it's also the, you know, last week the of trade <laughs> yeah, and The trade deadline. Yeah, and the trading deadline as well. And these games are going to hurt a lot more, at least pretty soon.
1: And, so. you know, I think part of it too for me is that, it was such a small sample size in that first five games that it was mm-hmm. impossible to take anything away from that. And then you turn around and have this massive layoff and all the issues and all the you know all the things we've talked about. See them come back to play in these extraordinary circumstances that are so abnormal, it's still impossible to take anything away from the first eight games over five days. So mm-hmm. it almost felt like this was the first week that I could even watch this team and be like, okay tell me who you are. <laughs> because everything had been so abnormal up until that point that not only does it feel really early, it also feels like none of the information we've been able to take in at this point is particularly reliable in what the actual truth is about this team, in part because it's just such a small sample size. But the the second part of that for me is that There've been so many people involved that wouldn't have been otherwise um, that it's still hard to figure out okay is this is this Brad Miller's team or is this Yadier Molina's team or is the, you know, savior of the bullpen going to be Seth Elledge or is it going to be John Gant or, you know, there are just too many people involved in the mix right now to really get a grasp on who this team is, which is something that we're generally saying, like you said, three or four weeks into the season, not halfway through. So it's right. just a very weird place to be in looking at even still relatively small sample sizes to get a feel for what this team is and what they're capable of just because the timeline is so condensed.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody expected Nabil Crismat to make <laughs> two appearances, uh, make any appearances, much less two, um, and still be on the team. I think. Right, right. I'm not sure that
1: maybe. Who the knows? Problem. I
0: have to because the roster is is truly a mess. But. It's one of the things that is coming up, as you mentioned, a week from tomorrow is the trading deadline, which again seems ridiculously weird to be saying when the Cardinals have yet to have only played like one full week of baseball. It feels like <laughs> um, it It still feels to me, and I, I don't think anything has changed to me, that it's going to be a very, very, very slow trading deadline across baseball just because of the finances between trying to bring somebody into your. Bubble, um, especially somebody that might have been in a, you know, Colorado Rockies bubble, you know, (laughs) if you're just picking a team at Uh random.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Just to name one.
0: Yeah, just to pick one. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it seems like nothing is likely to happen. And, and Jimmy's kind of said that. They still don't know what, like I said, they still don't know what this roster looks like. They don't still don't know how they're going to get. 47 men back into the 40 van roster when people start coming off the, mm-hmm. the COVID IL. So do you think we will see any activity um, from the Cardinals in a trade format?
1: I would be very surprised to see anything significant. I think that it wouldn't necessarily surprise me to see a John Mozeliak kind of classic <laughs> clear some clutter kind of move, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I would be very surprised to see anything that directly or significantly impacts the Major League team simply because, you know, moving the the trade deadline or, you know, having this period of the the first half, if you want to look at (laughs) this season in terms of that, of the season before you get to that point. I, I mean, for a team that has been playing... Consistently through all of that, maybe you do have a good enough idea to say, okay, we're a contender. We're not a contender. Here's what we can do. Here's what we need. I just don't think the Cardinals have that kind of roadmap to who they are or what they need or how they can get it. And neither do other teams as far as maybe their own analysis of they've seen like 27,000 new pitchers for the Cardinals this year, which one do we want? (laughs) Um, So it just, I don't feel like the Cardinals are in a good position to be making some significant moves right now. Although, you know, I know we we joke about the the Nolan Arenado thing in some, I mean, sort of a joke, not entirely, but nonetheless. Um, That to me, that kind of moved to me at this point. In a regular season, if we were coming up to the trade deadline, I wouldn't be surprised to hear rumors about that, at least, especially with how much the Cardinals were attached to him in some fashion over the offseason. But at this point... I, like I said, would be very surprised by a significant move of that nature, simply because it's not the John Moselak style to do something until you're sure of who you are and what you need. And there's just no way for them to to have that sort of confidence in the information available to them at this point.
0: It's also not the John Moselak move to bring on salary.
1: Also um, that, yes. <laughs>
0: at all possible. Um, you mean they're not yeah.
1: making a ton of money off those cardboard cutouts? That's not paying for Nolan Renato Sally? I mean,
0: no, because it goes to Cardinals care. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: You know,
0: <laughs> if it wasn't for that, I think we could have probably paid um his plane ticket to St. Louis with those cardboard cutouts.
1: That's, that's a significant chunk, right? Like, I mean it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, mean,
0: come on. I mean free plane ticket, what else could he ask for? Um Yeah, I think I just I, I You'd like to think that John Luck would package like five guys off just to so he could clear off his roster, but you know, one does anybody does anybody else want to trade for those guys mm-hmm. because they're probably going to hit the waiver wire, and two, what do you get? You know, some prospect that's not going to play this year. Yeah, you don't want to put sixty man.
1: That's the other thing that makes it so complicated this year, right? Is if you're not trading major league caliber talent, what? good does that do to most teams right now when you're trading prospects that can't play? And I realize if you're forward thinking enough to feel like you're going to get some value on the the backside of that, great. But the immediate value that you generally look for in the trade deadline to say, okay, you know, we either need to clear some space or make ourselves one step better in a push for the playoffs, you're not necessarily going to get that. This season with those sort of lower level trades. Um, so I just, I don't know. I don't know what teams are even going to be looking for at this point in the realm of what it feels like John like would be willing to do this season. Which, I I don't know, for better or worse, that just sort of is where he is, (laughs) who he is, and how he's done things. So we could talk all day about whether that's the right decision or not. But if you're not going to move someone from the Major League roster, bringing someone else into it, (laughs) when it's already very full, (laughs) doesn't seem like a a particularly reasonable expectation.
0: (laughs) And, I mean, you're looking at expanded um, postseason, so... The mm-hmm. push for somebody to get a player to try to make it to October is a lot less. I mean, the top two teams in each division go, plus a couple of others. I mean, you know, you're already starting to see that that separation. There's not a whole yeah. lot. I mean, the Cardinals are two and a half games ahead of the Reds, and the Reds are in third place um, <laughs> and they're tied with the Brewers. But, but still, I mean. And there's a significant starting to be a significant gap there, and especially when you look at the fact that the Cardinals play the Royals, a doubleheader against the Pirates before going to the Indians. I mean, they've got a little bit of a stretch there. Indians will be tough, but you would like to think that out of five games against Milwaukee or against Pittsburgh and Kansas City, you're going to win. Hopefully, you'd like to win four. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know, but um, still, it seems unlikely that they're going to start a gap. So you're already. Cardinals are already in a good position for the playoffs. It's amazing to say that, um, and that's kind of the way with other divisions too. I so I just don't I just don't see anybody making a, a big move. If, at best, you know, you just kind of wait it out, see what happens, and then maybe something happens this winter. But even that seems kind of kind of iffy.
1: Yeah, and, and I just there's so much up in the air whether it's this season or next season or how you're gonna deal with rule changes or CBAs or whatever that to make significant moves right now, it just feels like it's not the greatest environment for that kind of thing to happen. Especially if you're a team that isn't like the Dodgers or the Yankees that is noted for making those kinds of big, splashy moves. It just feels like the perfect storm to be able to just say, nah, I think I'm good this year.
0: and <laughs> I think, I, you know, even looking, just kinda of glancing around and it's, it doesn't feel like there's anybody really talking hard about any player or any yeah. you know, any situation that, oh, okay, this guy's gonna get moved or or things like that. It just doesn't seem that way. So, um it'd probably be pretty quiet and that's I mean really not to be not a fault, I don't think, of anybody, um, if if deals don't get right. made. I don't yeah. not like sure where you know, Hollering about the Zach Wheeler stuff, <laughs> um, fairly, I still think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but,
1: Agreed. <laughs> yeah,
0: but uh, this year they don't make anything. I, I don't. It's very hard for to say that they should have. So yeah, yeah. But we'll find out a little bit more. This coming week, like I said, the Cardinals got a, like another full week of baseball. Uh, a, little, a little bit less. so They only have one doubleheader instead of two. Um, <laughs> but Tara and I will be back with you next week to, to see what we can talk about for that. So until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night.
1: Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.